So having recently finished a uh, or quite successful, I would say, lean gain, I want to now get into, I'm going to make now what's sort of going to be a template, I'm going to call it. I made a template for cutting because what I wanted to do with, with these templates, so-called, is basically create a model, have something that can be referred back to in time when this is something that I or anyone listening to this wants to go back on to be as optimal as possible, waste as little time as possible. So like I recently did a um, did an episode that was the five keys, right? So that was sort of that is loosely what this is kind of based on, but there's there's way more than that. So this is a more detailed view of how I got through it, kind of what worked, what didn't work, and just how to more or less structure it, the types of things to undertake in order to attempt to have as successful uh, a gain as possible. Now, I should say up front, a lot of this stuff I'm still learning. So this is today's knowledge, what I feel to be the most optimal, but uh, I think there's a lot of value here. So I think a pretty sensible place to begin would be to define lean gain and how that would differ from a bulk. So when we're talking about a lean gain, it's basically trying to gain muscle much like you would in a bulk, but we want to limit the amount of fat gain. So in order to do that, we need to kind of have a, a good sense of how much lean gain uh, uh, tissue can you realistically build because Eating to accommodate more than that would just be a waste and lead to the excess fat. So I'd say a good baseline for most people, this is going to change depending on your gender, your age, your lifting age, so how long you've been lifting and so on. But I'd, I'd say for anyone who's not a beginner, probably saying that gaining a pound of lean mass in a six-week cycle would be amazing. So Aim for, I'd say, about, give or take, about half a pound a month, or or say say strive for maybe a pound uh, in, in six weeks. Now, you're probably not going to get that, but if you can, amazing, and if you can get anywhere close to that, amazing. It's just good to keep in perspective. I think one of the benefits of this list of variables, if we can call them that, is that sometimes we get lured into wanting to try the latest supplement or or heaven forbid, steroids or whatever. Um, I think a good place to start is make sure all these variables are being optimized first. And I think, I think I'm, I'm honing in on that. I think that this list, this template is uh, um, get, getting close to that. Another thing I should probably mention off the top, my results uh, over after my... Um, ramp up period, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, I did two cycles of about six weeks with split up by a two week mini cut in between. Gained 16 pounds total, uh, eight pounds lean. Now, 
I don't think it's going to be the case that when I lose weight that I'll, I'll keep all those eight pounds and I'll, I'll get into that as I was expecting more like two pounds. So yeah, we'll get into it, but that was sort of my results. So in my uh, five keys there to a successful lean gaining, one of the first things I talked about was expectations and you manage, you need to manage expectations that way you can match your calories to, um, to accommodate that so basically you have to buy into the idea that your your weight is going to be largely predicated by your caloric intake you basically just have to accept that really so what I've personally found is striving for about a 200 calorie surplus every day is is ideal I mean that's that's difficult to do that's difficult to exactly manage but this is why I have my my charting system where what I do is I I every single day I track my weight my um, well, the date of course and uh, my body fat percentage and how much calories I've consumed and my estimation of how many I've burned so I just try to get a baseline of where my calories balance is and I try to be over it by about 200 so basically the easiest way is to try to your best to sort of find a number and then strive to be about there every day um, so um, so yeah like I say about about a 200 calorie surplus per day is where I found to be sort of optimal um, let's see uh, duration is another thing to think about when when it comes to a lean gaining phase now what I will say is if you're coming off an extended cut or whatever give yourself like a two-week buffer period to kind of gradually increase the the calories up to maintenance and slightly above and thereabouts because after an extended cut you're just there's gonna be a lot of rebound weight that's just how it works so that's not gonna be true weight um, but you also don't want to come off it and jump into the calories right away because it'll probably be way too much gain too fast. So give yourself, for me I found about two weeks was about the perfect amount of time coming off. So I just call that sort of the, that's not really part of the gaining thing, it's more just a ramp up to it. And um, for the actual duration itself, what I found works best is about six to eight weeks and then followed by a mini cut after that. Of, of about two weeks so um, I say this because it, it can't be too short it can't be so short that your body can't establish these new gains but if it's too long you're just gonna be oversensitized and over fatigued and quite frankly it's it's I don't know I just find it's not sustainable if it goes on too too long so and which sounds crazy especially if you're in in a cut right now and you're like oh I could be in a caloric surplus forever if I wanted to well it's harder than you might think especially when you're striving to get in clean calories because that's the other thing as much as I say calories are important you do still want to hit your protein targets of approximately a gram of uh, protein per pound of body weight per day um, so it's if you're doing it the right way and you're trying to basically get the nutrients that you will need and you know get some spinach in there and and other good nutrients whatever it can it does become a grind after a few weeks and um, so especially after a couple cycles of it because if you do this model like about six to eight weeks on two weeks off then you repeat that 
by the end of the second or third one that fatigue will set set in trust me on that um I, th I think it's just challenging on the body but this is another reason why um, persistence and patience is is so important in this when it comes to the specifics of food i have to say i really found i like the uh, uh stan efforting's vertical diet so I kind of did uh, tried to incorporate a lot of the things he he mentions to have in there daily, so have spinach every day, have baby carrots as a snack, uh, have uh, cranberry juice when possible, have try to have an egg or two a day, try to have a potato a day, white rice, um, meat, red meat when possible. So I tried to uh, incorporate that stuff as much as possible. So one of the ways I did it was I made a batch of what I called anabolic rice pudding. So basically it was rice white rice cooked with uh, I made it I just cooked it regularly and then made it into rice pudding using kind of whey powder and, and milk and uh, did I put creatine in there I don't think so um, <clears throat> I'm cutting now so I, I don't really use it that much but um, put in some sweetener and some a little bit of salt and uh, some cinnamon sometimes I'd throw in some raisins if I want and uh uh, and an egg to thicken it up so you get a little bit of all the great things you want in there. I also uh, did overnight oats a lot of the days. I might switch that up in the future. Uh, the overnight oats worked really well. Basically it was just whey mixed in with milk and then I pour that into some uh, oatmeal and uh, add in some, uh, uh, some sweetener then just leave it in the fridge overnight and there you go. It's already made fully like breakfast. I love that. I might switch that up in the future to like cream of rice, just again, so you get that white rice, which is a little bit faster digesting carbs to have, because I'd always eat it post-workout, so I don't know, either way, it, uh, I, I think you're kind of splitting hairs at that point. Cream of rice is a hell of a lot more expensive, but, or or even you might want to do it like on your more intense days, do the cream of rice and oats on the other days, I don't know, but either way. Um, and in the evenings, I, I found myself using a lot of uh, Greek yogurt, uh, fat-free uh, Greek yogurt, and I'd mix that again with, with oats. So I, I ate a lot of oats on this uh, uh, thing, but, but it works well. It's a great carb source that's not, well, it's, it's a great carb source, full stop, I guess. Actually, I probably would have started cream of rice a lot earlier than I did, but I didn't really even start using it till my gaining phase was almost done. The reason being, thanks to COVID, uh, well, not COVID, but the COVID measures in place, uh, there was basically a rice shortage for a long time. There's freaking shortages on everything. There's shortages on creatine. Um, but rice, so I, I couldn't even find cream of rice. I couldn't find it anywhere. The closest I could, I've, was able to find at one point was baby food and I tried that for a little while and it was okay but again it was just very expensive to get in the amount of carbs I needed so actually that's so it wasn't quite my fault that I didn't uh, incorporate cream of rice earlier as my breakfast and I, I continued the but but the oats seemed to work fine the overnight oats um, but next time I think I'm going to try uh, cream of rice a little bit more uh, also, banana is good. Uh, I, what I liked doing was half a banana pre-workout and then the rest of it post-workout, just so you get those. Uh, if one thing really works well pre-workout, I think I found it's having being carbed up as much as I don't like having a full meal. Being carbed up, it just helps with the strength. Uh, also, pre-workout, and again, we'll credit uh, Stan Efferding for this one, is I 
started taking salt, about a quarter teaspoon, which I believe is about 600 milligrams of sodium. Um, again, just, just getting the muscles uh, hydrated is, is the whole idea there. Uh, it's probably a good time to mention supplements. I did not use a lot of supplements on this first time. As, as I was saying before, I think before messing too much with supplements and spending ridiculous amounts of money on, on things, I just wanted to keep it basic here. And um, so, so let me think, what, what supplements did I use? Whey powder, obviously, uh, which is almost more of a food than a supplement. Creatine, I used that, uh, took about uh, five grams a day of creatine mono. Uh, which, like I said, there was a shortage of that for a while too, so I was getting close to, to running out of it. Um, what other supplements? Uh, Pre-workout supplements. That that was really the only other one I, I had regularly. Caffeine, I guess we'd call it. Basically, I'd just get whatever I could find. I like the website. They've been really good to me. Uh, supplementsource.ca. Uh, really good to me. They've I've had to have a few returns on a couple things, and they always managed it really well. Um, so they, uh, yeah, when I, whenever I can find things on sale there, like uh, on clearance generally, whatever the cheapest form of caffeine is I can find, that's usually what I do pre-workout. And uh, along with the, the salt and, um, and sometimes the banana. And that's pretty much it. Um, I, I will say with the whole banana thing, I didn't like it in the beginning, um, in that ramp up phase, because it just stoked my hunger way too much. I found that um, it, it just didn't work for me. I was getting too hungry too much. Now, when I was in the later stages and I was like I was struggling to get in the calories, then at that point, hunger is not really an issue. So. Um, yeah, so just, just, again, things to be aware of. So another thing about food I wanted to mention here is the hunger factor. <laughs> so in that ramp-up period I was talking about, my hunger was through the roof. Because what tends to happen is you tend to add in extra carbs. And it's you might have noticed the same thing. If you've ever done a peak week, it's kind of the same thing. It's a weird phenomenon that during like a peak week when you're eating practically no carbs but you're aside from like a bunch of vegetables and stuff you, and water you're like actually not hungry even though your calories are ridiculously low whereas when you're eating more carbs it tends to stoke your hunger so for the first for the wrap-up weeks in between there I found my hunger was foolishly high I was eating finally after a long diet in a caloric surplus, or at least get like I, I kind of step laddered it up, if that's the expression. I, I gradually uh, more and more and more, definitely more than what I was eating when I was dieting, but I was hungrier than when I was dieting. So what the way I found to manage that was to focus on having a lot more fiber, um, drink drink lots of water. Um, make a concerted effort to have protein with every meal and even eat the protein first. Um, I found eating like apples and things like that worked really, really well. Um, but then the funny thing that happens is as you go along that the opposite happens. And, and when you've been in a perpetual surplus for a long time, it's that's where you get have to almost force feed yourself. It's difficult to get in the calories sometimes in those many, many nights where I was like, oh, I, I need 200 more calories before I go to bed and it's like trying to cram them in and 
and I was trying to keep them as clean as possible. Um, so just mainly I'm just pointing this out because it's something to be aware of so that you can, it's not a surprise and you can take measures to deal, deal with it. So the idea of getting lean, say 10 to 15% body fat uh, for guys prior to starting a muscle building phase is kind of an interesting one. There's upsides and downsides. The, in fact, the whole reason why um, in 2021 I spent essentially the entire year cutting was be, because I wanted to build muscle. And I had come across some literature that suggested that uh, starting lean is the way to go. At a certain leanness, you will build muscle more optimally. Uh, in the end, I don't know if that's true or not, but what I will say is it definitely made me look better. And... Um, and that's the thing, I, I got to benefit from it the entire time. I got to benefit from how I looked um, as I was cutting get, and getting leaner and leaner and leaner. And then when I started coming back up, my, my muscles just, they certainly looked bigger. Uh, whether in fact they were bigger, whether in fact there there is, you know, net gains as far as lean, lean mass. Um, I, th I think probably, I think one of the best things it did was it taught me how to manage calories. So I think there are benefits to um, to, to starting lean. Um, that being said, if you're getting incredibly lean, it can take some patience and time to get there. And during that time, you're going to wind up losing your strength gains. So uh, I suppose one of the downsides would be just the, the simple reality that once you start putting on size and start um, start building back up, it kind of sucks because all the hard work you put in to uh, get lean starts disappearing. It's But it's just the same when you're dieting and you and all your hard work, all your strength gains start to leave. Um, it, it's just the reality of it, and it's something to be aware of and and to uh, just manage that, I suppose. So despite the fact that I actually did spend, like like I said, almost a whole year friggin' dieting, I think a wiser approach is the idea to try to spend more time building than cutting. Okay, so next we should probably talk about the weight training element of trying to do a lean gain. Um, throughout the course of this past year, I uh, I tried a number of different training modalities, and for the most part, I came to the conclusion that mucking with a lot of the variables of weight training, i.e., I guess volume number of sets, number of reps, that type of thing, doesn't really make a world of difference. Um, what I came to believe does make a world of difference is basically getting stronger, adding reps and adding weight to the bar, whatever rep range you happen to be working in. So what I've found is that as much as I say the, the exact training split doesn't make a huge difference, there was some programs that seemed to accommodate the, uh, the, the, the strength process 
better than others. And for me, what, what it came down to was it did actually involve using a bit higher volume, a bit higher frequency. And, um, and the program that I found that I was able to make the most consistent strength gains was one where I was training my the big muscle groups three times a week. So chest, uh, back, and legs I did three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And um, but I, I flipped the order so Monday I would do the um, I would focus on bench press. Wednesday I would focus more on my leg movement, which it began as squats. I switched it to RDLs, which I don't know. It has a bit of a back, more of a back component too, and and that. But anyway, it's that's another whole other story. But if you're able to do squats, which I wasn't for various reasons. Um, that probably would be better, but um, then Friday was deadlift day, um, slash I actually preferred um, rack pulls because I wanted to target my upper back more so than my uh, lower back. So, and, and plus the way I set it up with RDLs, I got quite a bit of lower back work anyway. So, so, but that was basically it. Um, th that was the focus, but still on like on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like on my bench press focus day, the Monday, typically, um, I would do bench press and then I would do for back, I'd do some kind of rowing movement usually. And then for legs, I'd, I can't, what did I do for legs? Legs was always a funny one for me during this process, but, um, I, I, I work on strengthening the other areas, so it was it was a combination of kind of hips and um, calves, and as well as of quads and glutes. So it was a combination of, of exercise I did in in like um, um, circuit form, kind of on on Monday specifically. Um, but basically, that that sort of what I would do, and then so on my uh, leg focus day, I started with RDLs, and then I. I always actually do two movements. I'm I'm probably getting confusing here, but uh, let me go back to Monday for a second. So as much as Monday was bench press day, so I'd start with bench press, then I'd do my row, then I'd do my leg work, then I'd, I'd actually do one more chest movement uh, just because I had the time. And then the same thing on Wednesday. It started with a leg movement, then it was, um, I believe, then it was... Uh, it was either chest or back, and then I'd do whichever when it wasn't after that then I'd return and do another leg movement um, or two sometimes I'd superset like I might superset leg curls with leg extensions right that kind of thing and then Friday when it was the back movement I'd start of course with the uh, the, the rack pulls and then I'd do again either chest or leg movement I can't remember the order but then then another the other one and then I'd finish up, usually, I believe the secondary back movement I usually finished up with, it might have been straight arm pull-downs, like superset with a, uh, a neutral grip type row. Um, so, so that was the basic outline. And then, I, then I'd, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I would do, well, I'm going to keep it simple and say shoulders and arms. Um, the reality is because Monday was more... Um, chest focused um i wanted i i did uh da, 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 i'm trying to think what i did i did biceps after actually yeah i did so it was shoulders and biceps but it was more volume related because i had already done the bench pressing right so i didn't feel i needed to do super ridiculous heavy 
overhead pressing on the Tuesday, the day after bench press. So instead, it'd be more like volume work on shoulders and then biceps. And then Thursday, um, it would be heavy um, shoulder movements and triceps. And um, and the reason for that was it worked out well because I didn't want to overtrain my biceps right before going into rack pulls. So, um, so that was the basic model that I found. Now, this isn't the only strength training program. I've toyed with other ones. I found that some of them kind of... Um, some, some were kind of lacking as far as shoulder and bicep work because they, they're focused so much on... Um, uh, on the big muscle groups. In fact, I tried one at the start of my cut to maintain muscle where I, it was a four-day split and I, I just found it left too much behind. So this split served me really, really well and and all I'll say is, is just try to find a program for you that works really well for you, allows you to increase your strength. Actually, one of the other training uh, techniques that I used was this one was something that I, th I, I will have to credit Fazlifts for this one, um, the idea of overtraining, or sorry, over warm-up, um, where basically what you do is you're, you warm up as normal, you know, how I did it was I did first 15 reps, it, none of the, none of the warm-up sets are to failure, by the way. Um, but for my first warm-up set, it was quite light. Sometimes it'd be an empty bar, and you just do about 15 reps. Then the next one, a little bit heavier, 10 reps. Again, not to failure. Next one, about 5 reps. So you're getting yourself nice and, and warmed up. And the last warm-up set, it's only one rep, and it's about 10% above your what your working sets are going to be. So, um, so it's, again, it's not to failure, but it's more weight than you will be lifting for your working sets. I found that worked incredibly well, especially in the interest of trying to build strength. It just gets you used to lifting heavier weights. I think one of the, the important things we need to think about is that in the interest of getting strong, it can sometimes be a little bit intimidating to get underneath heavy weights. And I think that can hold us back. It's a mental barrier. So the over warm-ups give you that sense of confidence because you're not going to failure you're just going you're just lifting one rep of heavier weight than you will be doing for the working set so it just like I say it gives you that confidence that that mindset that you really need I feel in order to get stronger at least it worked really well for me so if I haven't sold you already on the idea of over warm-ups it's actually it was an idea that I was thinking about many, many years ago when I was studying psychology and, and I heard of this thing, I can't remember who came up with the term, but the, the contrast principle where basically things in relation to one another, um, they kind of relate. So if you lift something heavy, for example, the then lift something lighter, the lighter thing you lift will seem even lighter than it actually is. So there is definitely, you know, a, a psychological principle that underlies this, that beyond just the, the physical benefits, I, th I think there is a lot of merit to it. Uh, so other things to manage, stress, sleep, extremely important. Cardio, that is a difficult one. I find that while doing a gaining phase, it's probably the last thing on your mind, especially when you're struggling to get in the calories to burn more calories via cardio. But 
if all the freaking deaths in bodybuilding this past, well, a couple of years has taught us anything, it's like we really have to take better care of our cardiovascular health. So I think that's an important one just for health, longevity. Um, and, you know, if you, you burn a couple extra calories, you get to eat a little more. Get I say get to, but it is it is challenging. Yes, I get that. And for me, the, the truth is the best I could do at times was just take a walk in the afternoon because the last thing I wanted to do, I, I really couldn't get in the mindset for certainly intense cardio. But going forward, I think it is an important part of this template. Gaining muscle is extremely slow, so keeping mentally focused is extremely helpful. So things like, actually, I, I was doing my audio log. I found that extremely helpful. Journaling, anything you can do to keep your mind in the game because it's going to be a slow, long, drawn-out process. Yeah, so I think that wraps it up. Um, so just to conclude, as I said, in, in uh, two cycles of this, I gained about 16 pounds, eight of those being lean. But I, I'm in the process now of dieting back down. And what do you notice but... Um, the the lean weight is going down as I'm dieting. So it puts you in this position where you're wondering, okay, did it actually work? Is Am I hanging on to any gains? And the fact of the matter is, is just looking at me, I would say yes. Um, my, my wife has even noticed that my muscles are larger and, and fuller. And, um, and the other thing is I'm stronger too. So visually, I, sh I should have measured if I were to next time, I think what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to take measurements of, of my, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyway, the, the, the measurements of, of my muscles, um, to try to get a sense of a, a more, uh, true sense of it other than just looking in the mirror but I think clearly I look bigger. I am physically stronger. I can lift more weight. So, but the numbers, they are declining now as I'm lowering. And it's, and I look at it, I compare it to when I was at this weight before and I was dieting down and, and it is marginally more lean mass. But I think, I think the numbers can be a little bit deceiving when you're like, oh yeah, I gained eight pounds in, you know, uh, how much would it be? Anyway, a few months, a few months worth of training. It's like, no, <laughs> you really didn't. Um, but there is some gain there, but you just have to kind of hold on to the fact that if you're, as I said, you should spend more time gaining than cutting. And if you do that and do a method much like this, I think what you'll find is that ultimately over time that the true lean gains do gradually increase and the important things increase too your size and your strength uh, which is what you want so um, so I think this template is a pretty good overall um, picture of how to optimize some of the variables um, certainly before expanding beyond what's here I'll just leave it at that okay catch you next time